Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns and Ashton Ruby. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 70 of Retro Hangover. and classic gamers welcome to the podcast where we are all against alliteration at an amazing amount assailing all assumptions i am your co-host chris copeline joined by the first patron saint of rhp ashton ruby special guest Derek buck the risen messiah and as always your host shane Classic Dick Dragon Space Station, Koski. Holy crap. All right. So some quick behind the scenes on that. We're recording on Zencaster for this episode and Chris uh-huh. just pegged this fucker out. Oh my God. All right. I've never it, been pegged like, quite like that. That was a good pegging. Yeah, that was, that was impressive. <laughs> Nothing zen about it. <laughs> who, who, who doesn't? Who doesn't like a good pegging? In fact, it looks like we didn't establish a safe word before the beginning of this episode. That's a problem. (laughs) The safe word is actually (laughs) (laughs) convenient. I'll just like to say that two minutes into the show, we've already discussed pegging. So this is already going really well. We are on a roll. Mm -hmm. So uh, as it was alluded to in my pegged out introduction. (laughs) This is a, a special episode. Of course, we've had Ashton on here before as part of the patron party. He is our wonderful, lovely, and generous patron. Well, at least generous patron. I don't know about the wonderful and lovely, but we'll throw that in there for now, Ashton. Thank you. I've seen him. He's um, lovely. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Derek Buck and both of these amazing men were on the show CGR Undertow, which was associated with Classic Gamer. And I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've at least heard of CGR Undertow or Classic Game Room. So thank you very much, gentlemen, for showing up here today. We, we It's it's amazing. It's a definite honor to have you guys here. I have never heard of either of those things, but um, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> oh, we got the wrong Derek Buck. Yeah, it's oh, shit. Me. Wrong guy, but I'm, hey, let's do it anyway. Yeah, fuck it. That sounds like yeah, a good, good idea. Just make some shit up and we'll roll. <laughs> We're already here. We fired up the Zencaster. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thanks, Ashton, for coming in with the niceties that I always forget. To. <laughs> <laughs> See, we, we picked up right where we left off, where Ashton has to say thanks because I'm talking about pegging. No, that's fine. This balances everything out really well. You know, Ashton's just like, hey, you know, I really appreciate it. And you're just like, who the fuck are these people? <laughs> Actually, you know, by they turned me down. I'm the risen Messiah, so thanks, thanks for that. Oh, that's absolutely, true. that's true. Yeah, like like we were talking before the show. It's 2020. Anyone could be the risen Messiah at this point. So <laughs> why the hell not? If I if, yes. if I can do it. <laughs> All right. I don't know if the rapture was on anybody's apocalypse bingo card, but 
might now might be the time. <laughs> I thought that was the center square. Is it? Well, we'll find out. It's it's, it's going to be a fun year. It's been a fun year. Yeah, fun. That's a word you could use to describe things. I've had a lot of good times. This has been a great year. Well, I mean, I really hope it has. I, you know what? This year, I can't tell when someone says that if they're if they're being facetious or not. It can go any direction. Yeah. Yeah. Sad thing is, 2020 has been my best year in about four years, which is more of a description of the last four years than of 2020. Um, So (laughs) I'm here for it. I'm ready to go. I'm stoked for the second half. Let's see what let's see what she has in store. So. As we are wont to do, haha, Shane got it again. I've just given uh, up on doing that. I know, I can tell. You've quit. Uh, we we briefly talk about uh, what we've been up to, what games we're playing, if we're playing any games or not, just what we've been doing generally uh, and life is like succinct as we can. So because we have guests, I'll turn it over to Ashton first since Derek hasn't been on the show before. So Ashton, give it a roll. Uh, go ahead, let us know what you've been playing. What have you been up to, man? Sure. Um, I've been a bit... I don't know if ADD is the right term, but uh, I've been mixing it up this whole quarantine time. I had uh, gotten back into World of Warcraft earlier this year, uh, but already fallen off of that again. What a nerd. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, my brother at the end of that convinced us to resubscribe to Final Fantasy 14. That's a bit more recent. Uh, But most recently, I had bought Button? Bot? That's not a word, but go ahead. Yeah, it is now. <laughs> Listen, if Shakespeare can make shit up, then so can you. Language um, evolves. <laughs> Pathmaker. Wait. Pathfinder. Uh, yes. Kingmaker. Pathmaker. <laughs> the king. Is the one. Yes. Uh, on PC, uh, I think I got it during the summer sale because it was kind of always on a wish list, want list. Um, yeah, I'm liking it. It's fun. It has a lot of different modes. So you can basically play like a pathfinder D diablo version of it which is just like a roguelike kind of thing so it's easy to just pick up and play even if you're not like super into D and stuff so yeah that's cool actually a couple of my friends had picked that up recently too because we our our gaming group used to play exclusively pathfinder until D fifth edition came out and then we dropped that shit hard and went to 5e but <laughs> um yeah but yeah no it was good times i've heard good things about it though yeah i like it I'm not hard to please, though. Are you still mm. in FF14 right now? I'm still subscribed, yeah. <laughs> Technically, um, okay. <laughs> I played when it very, very first came out, um, when it was not even reborn yet, and then picked it back up when they fixed everything. And then I hadn't played since any of the expansions came out, and now they're on like the third one. So I got some catching up to do. Yeah, I was waiting for them to release that big patch and do the whole like uh, Realm Reborn, like rework and, and all that stuff. I I think that's already happened. I think that was the end of last month, if I'm not mistaken. So I got to like jump back in and, and check that out now because I had like a level 40 something character that I never actually got through the uh, Realm Reborn content with just because it was such a slog. All right, Derek, how about yourself? Uh, here's the thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't like to get out of bed very often, um, which causes some, uh, you know, some issues when it comes to getting out of bed um, and then starting up a video game. So it's actually been a minute since I sat down with a console, um, which means I've been playing a lot on my phone. Uh, and I, for years, um, based largely on uh, principle and basic human ignorance, avoided this game. I am now fully immersed in it. And that is Mario Kart Tour 
for my iPhone. <laughs> ah, uh, there are two of us. There are two of us. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> and, and yet I can't stop playing it. That's accurate. Um, I There's so many moments in this game where I just want to tear my hair out. But then I realize how great my hair is. And then so then I decide, well, maybe I'll just rip some appendages off. Um, but then I realize I need those to play Mario Kart Tour. So it's just been a difficult couple months. Um, but that game, I've never played a Mario Kart game. Rubber banding is a common thing in Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a thing where, you know, if for people, you know, it's a thing where, oh, you're doing well. Well, now you're not. Um, that's rubber banding. Um, it's worse in Mario Kart Tour than I've ever seen in any Mario Kart. I cannot tell you how many times, and I'm not exaggerating. It's got to be dozens that I have been hit by a red shell within inches of the finish line. Oh God. Um, and then finish like fourth when I was in first, the whole race. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. It's unbelievably rubber bandy like that, but I can't stop playing because there's so much content in it. And it's this idea that's sort of new to me because I'm an old miser of a game that isn't really a set game. This idea of games as we used to know them as, here are the levels, here are the mechanics, here are the characters, and here's what it, here's how it all goes. Mario Kart Tour is one of these like modern games where it's like that shit changes all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the content's always changing. The you know it's it's evolving because they put new stuff they pump new stuff into it, they take stuff out of it. You know it's that kind of thing. So that's really cool and weird to me, um, and I'm enjoying it because of all that. But God, it is just a nightmare sometimes to play, and the the multiplayer is horrendous. It's the first Mario Kart where I I can't play it multiplayer. Yeah, um, I don't. It's just a nightmare. Yeah, don't do it. It's terrible. So really, the only reason I play it is to unlock cool stuff. And there's so much cool stuff to unlock. Um, and it's it's what I love about it is it's this idea of like it's incorporating some RPG leveling up type elements to Mario Kart. Turns out that's brilliant because now I can't stop doing it. Um, <laughs> so I would love to see more of that in like real Mario Kart games, like proper console ones. Um, but in any case, yeah, I've been enjoying that game much in the, the way a sadist enjoys the things he enjoys that's yeah, actually that's, a that's pretty accurate realistically that's a brilliant idea though they could make a mario kart game like final lap twin or like mario golf for the game boy yeah i would love them to just like in mario kart tour um for the same people out there who haven't played it you level up the cart <laughs> you you know there's all this equipment you can choose from to to uh you basically you pick a driver you pick a cart you pick a you pick uh a glider I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a pretty simple combination of things, but those combinations all have different effects on each other and, and you can level up each element. Like you can level up your gliders and you can level up your carts. And it's, it's really addictive to do that um, in any game. And when you do it in Mario Kart, it's like, it's perfect. It's a perfect application of that sort of gaming trope. So I'd love to see more of that in, in real Mario Karts that aren't as maddening to play. And yeah. so uh, how, how are you doing on your event coin farming right now? Um, I just started doing that today. That's that's kind of a neat little thing. Um, I've, I've been able to buy some more. So yeah, it's a mobile game. So there's a lot of nickel and diming that goes on. I, I'm a subscriber to it. It's the season pass or whatever. So it's like, I don't know, was it like $4.99 a month or something? Yeah. yeah and you get is. extra stuff every week. Which I mean, listen, I, I I don't like that model. I you know I would much rather pay forty nine ninety nine for a video game and own it and have stuff added to it. But that's not the world we live in anymore. Um, at least on the mobile front. So you know what? what why fight it? So here we are. Um, 
what, what I hate about it is sometimes it feels like these games are telling me, yo, you got to stop playing. Like, mm. give us a minute. Like, it's you, you've, you've run out of your play time for the day. You got to wait for yeah. it to, like, recharge, you know? Which, in a way, is maybe a good thing, because then it keeps me from sitting on my phone playing Mario Kart for eight hours. So There you go. Yeah, that was like, looking out for you. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's totally that's totally the reason. That that's what they're that. doing. It's yeah. totally in our interest why they do that. Yep. Yeah, it's completely <laughs> altruistic, yeah. <laughs> no, like, you were, you were talking about it being infuriating, and I'm 100% on board with that, because I think it was, what, yesterday or the day before? I... I was literally inches from the finish line in first place yeah. and I got hit by a lightning bolt, a green <laughs> shell, some sniper behind me and a blue shell all in a row. I ended oh, up yeah. sixth. Yeah. And what's funny is like that, that's people are probably gonna think we're kidding. That happens in this game where it's almost like they wait until you're to the finish line to do it. Yeah. And I've had several times this happen where I'm in first place, everything's smooth sailing and then all of a sudden, I get hit with a million things, and I literally roll across the finish line. <laughs> Your I'm car not, is I'm not, in flames. Like, you roll across the finish line in fourth place when you spent the entire race in first place, and you don't even get mad anymore. Like now, I just laugh, and I look at my cats, and I say, "Did you see that? Did you see what happened there? This is ridiculous." I mean, what's happening here? I, you know, it was in first place the whole time. So I'm doing real well. Yeah, that's good. And then we continue yeah. to pay five bucks a month for the gold pass. Yeah, get, yep. take my money. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. Every, I, I recommend it. Oh, man. I'm you know, sold. I avoided that game initially. I tried it out and then dropped it real hard because I was like, man, this looks like garbage. And then we did our episode on uh, Super Mario Kart. And I was like, I should check that out again. And then it was yeah. all over. It's so the, here's what I'll say about it. The gameplay mechanics, like all this shit around it is awful, Mm -hmm. but the core mechanics are really, really good. And it's a Mario Kart game unlike any other Mario Kart in that it's not really about winning the race. It's more about putting together combos. Yeah. Um, You can get fifth place and still hit the requisite amount of points because you did enough combos. And people are probably thinking, well, how do you do, what's a combo in Mario Kart? Well, in Mario Kart Wii, they kind of introduced this trick system where you can do like kick your heels on the bike and things. They've taken that to like the nth degree now where you can do tricks and things off of everything in Mario Kart Tour. And you're encouraged, and the tracks are designed this way too, so to basically encourage you to just do as many tricks as possible in a row. And it's almost like winning the race is kind of a secondary goal. <laughs> so it, in a sense, maybe it's it doesn't matter that much that you get screwed out of winning a lot because if, as long as you had your 90 point combo then you're gonna do great anyway um so it's a really interesting new it's not just the mario kart you know on iphone it's a different kind of mario kart and a lot of people are gonna hate that um and a lot of people are also gonna hate it and also play it every day despite that (laughs) (laughs) so shane have you been playing mario kart tour as well uh yeah yeah i have that's just the thing i do like every day actually it's been every day since we released that mario kart episode so i what i'm saying is is i actually this is a cry for help but um but yeah so there's that uh i I guess while we're talking about mobile gaming i don't usually bring it up because it's also just a constant thing but um i'm still doing my my daily grind in um dissidia opera omnia final fantasy game it's it's actually one of the few mobile titles that's fair and and generous with like the the uh 
the monetary stuff that they give out. Like they give out a ton of like gems and in-game currency and stuff all the time. So I do put some money into it because I obviously I enjoy playing it. Um, but you super don't have to at all, which is unusual, uh, not only for mobile games, but actually just for Square Enix mobile games specifically. So, um, so yeah, still doing that stuff. Um, outside of that, um, I, so I have to be honest, Lyle is going to hate this when this episode comes out and you can hate it right now, Chris. Um, I do. I am seriously considering giving up on Final Fantasy V. <laughs> Boo! Dude, this game, okay. I have, I have, have you ever gotten to a point in a game where you suddenly realize that you are forcing yourself to boot it up? to try to finish it because that's where I'm yes. at with FF five right now. I'm just booting it up because I'm like, I made this promise that I was going to do this four job fiesta thing, but I am really not enjoying my time with it. I have to be honest <laughs> with you. You know, you should have put that in the chat. I think we all would have understood. And then we could have said, you don't have to do the fiesta rules anymore. And we, we would have accepted it. I think that honestly, I do think that is part of it. Like I thought I got a somewhat okay party composition. Um, Having read through uh, the the walkthrough that Lyle suggested for it, um, the the strategies for like the boss fights that they put in there, just like yeah, the man, this was super easy. Just like use your death spell and like use this axe that you found doing this thing. And I'm like, I I can't do any of that. None you of mean my all the spells I got as a blue mage do those things. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm rolling with like a white mage, a red mage, a samurai, and a ninja. So like while I have some cool shit like throw and stuff, I, I just I have n no access to any of those other things. So like last night, I just hit a complete brick wall uh, inside the guardian tree with the those the crystal boss. Yeah, I am just getting my ass handed to me by those guys because all of the strategies to, to deal with that fight, I have none of them. Just make everyone a samurai and don't tell anyone. Just throw gold at them until they're dead. Yes. The 1% the strategy. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um. So yeah, anyway, that that's that's my time with FF5 so far. I, I might end up just not finishing that. <laughs> um but yeah, that's that's actually that's mostly it right now. Honestly, um I'm at, <laughs> I'm I'm still plugging away at a character in Vindictus, but other than that, that's about it. I don't know. What about you, Chris? What have you been up to besides almost getting hit by trucks? Uh well, yeah, first of all, right before recording, I almost got hit by a truck who told me that because the, the crosswalk went from the little walkie person to the flashing hand signal. I was in the middle of the intersection meant that I should not have been in the intersection as he tried to run me over. Mm. So he got angry that I called him a motherfucker and then tried. He, he told me that I need to be careful who I called a motherfucker. And then I just shrugged at him and he drove away and I was very upset. I still am kind of upset. And uh, it's it was, uh, uh, I would say, an eventful end to a rather uneventful day but i'm also extremely like stressed out and super anxious right now um because hopefully by the time you hear this episode i will have finished my final college course i'm working on my final and it is Ooh. due um on uh, less than a week from now in fact it's uh, we are recording this on a thursday it's due on a tuesday and um it's the final paper for my college co final college course and i just got to get a b in the class and i'll graduate cum laude and I, that, I just want that. I don't, I mean, I don't know why it matters. It doesn't as long as I get the degree, C's but I'm, I'm degrees, kind of, man, I get it, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 
it's there's a there's a pride element. Okay, I'm on a massive A streak, and I'm I'm just about done, and that'd be a nice little feather in the cap. And I'm that's my yeah. goal. Set my goal and get it. Um, nice. But in terms of video games, I'm still playing Romancing Saga: Minstrel Song for the PlayStation Two, and it is a good game that does everything it can to be unenjoyable. It tries <laughs> very hard to Sounds be a like bad a game. Here. Yeah, yeah, you noticed that too. <laughs> What's that? The theme What's going the on. Theme? <laughs> sort of love-hate oh. relationships. Yeah. Love-hate. Oh, got it. Yes. I didn't pick up on that. See? That's why I don't... I shouldn't do these things. Why but, do you um, do that? What, what, what is the compulsion to make us hate? Like, we want to love you. Yeah. <laughs> Just let me love you. <laughs> so there's... there's As alluded to last week, the entire point of the game is it has a brilliant battle system. It has a brilliant design. So it's, it's. I know a lot of people probably haven't played a Saga game. If they have, it's probably been Saga Frontier or Saga Frontier 2 for the PlayStation. But this is a remake of the Romancing Saga series, which we didn't get in the United States for the Super Nintendo or Super Famicom more appropriately. And mm-hmm. one of the hooks for uh, the Saga, or specifically the Romancing Saga games, is that it has a character development much like Final Fantasy 2, except you don't have to kill yourself in order to gain HP. So it's a little bit better. Um, and throughout battle, like your characters, depending on weapon setup you have, they'll randomly learn abilities and you'll be fighting and then randomly your, your, your character will learn a new, will learn a new attack or a new spell and you can make them mm. powerful and they learn combinations and it's such a joy, but the game doesn't, the game punishes you for fighting battles by having this thing in the background called an event rank. And the more battles you fight the higher event rank goes. And if your event rank goes too high, in some situations, you can't do side quests. So you have to actively avoid fighting battles, which is the best thing about the game. In addition to it, the game has something called proficiencies. And these proficiencies allow you to do things in, in, in dungeons, like jump across chasms or climb up ladders or find hidden passageways or disarm traps or stuff like that. The problem is once you are in the dungeons, you can't set your proficiencies and you're only limited to a certain amount of proficiencies. So it if you can spend all this time getting into a dungeon, not knowing what you're supposed to do, and then find out you didn't come out with the proper preload. So it's called subverting <laughs> expectations, Chris. It's <laughs> it does everything it can in its power to make you not like it. Plus, it's open world as fuck doesn't tell you what it wants you to do it has no linear narrative whatsoever it has no overarching plot it's just go fight things and you're like sure <laughs> and that, i don't know i love it um on that aspect but i also hate it i've also started up playing pokemon go and i've been having a lot of fun with that i sent shane my friend code he has yet to add me so <laughs> who on you shane that's also because i haven't um, loaded up pogo in like a week so there's, that's what he says there's that hey man the community day is coming up soon so you know i'm, I'm there for hey. that yeah i'm still grounded because i'm in the military and i can't leave my house because people won't wear masks mm. god bless america <laughs> god bless them number one <laughs> number one <laughs> i don't know why i said that like an asian man <laughs> i was just you know what i was just gonna go with it <laughs> america number one uh so i don't know chris what do you think you think we should probably uh roll into what we're here to talk about well, this has been retro hangover yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> welcome hey hell of a show, guys we're we really not yes <laughs> all the games we hate and still play 
<laughs> Mario Kart. Hey guys, welcome to the show about video games. God, I fucking hate video games. See you later. <laughs> video games are terrible. I just we'll feel like that. that's really relatable, honestly. You know, but I think it is. Is it is extremely relatable because we are with two two people <laughs> who have probably played a ton of bad games in the name of producing content that we have all consumed and enjoyed. So as I said earlier, uh, Ashton and Derek were uh, members of classic game room undertow, CGR undertow, or uh, effectively known uh, as a part of classic game room, even though they were two separate channels on YouTube. And they were very, very big up until they uh, closed up shop, more so undertow in 2015. Um, but they were, of course, prolific members. Now, most of you probably, if you watched CCR Undertow, you'll probably know Derek more than Ashton. Uh, Ashton was a member. He was there, and he'll tell us when he was there. But this is why we're kind of going past the brief history, because I don't think anyone could really tell the brief history, at least their own personal brief history, with something better than the people who are actually there. So we'll start out with that. So first of all, I believe, which one of you was there first? Was it... Was it uh, Derek or Ashton? I think it was Derek from what I have heard. Oh, Derek by a long shot. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't mind, how could you tell us kind of how you got started, how you got involved with CGR and on what CGR is? Yeah, yeah. So uh, for people who don't know, because it, it's been a minute now, which makes me feel old, Classic Game Room was a, was a giant YouTube channel back in the days when people watched uh, actual content on YouTube. Um <laughs> I don't know. Do people still do that? Is that still a thing? Do people actually watch coherent thoughts and stuff on YouTube? Maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's how you um, define it, I guess. I guess. This is the wrong um, place to ask. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. So Classic Game Room was a big deal. Um, and I had just gotten out of college. I graduated with a journalism degree and I wanted to get into video games journalism. Um, I was writing for uh, a really popular Nintendo blog at the time uh, called Infendo. This was right around the time the Wii was coming out, and I got an email from uh, somebody asking me if I'd be interested in a job, and it, and it was a company called Classic Game Room. And I, I always felt bad because I had no idea who they were because I wasn't a YouTube guy. I was a, I was more of a IGN, GameStop, or GameSpot kind of guy, like the, the written articles and stuff, because I was a journalism guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was actually pretty much a straight news, very serious uh, type journalism writer at the time, if you can believe that. Uh, Classic Game Room changed that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I sort of got in. I, I went, I talked to them, and and uh, they, they brought me in initially because they wanted to – they were a YouTube channel, but they really wanted to build up a website as well. Uh, and they wanted some writers. So they liked my stuff, and they, and they asked if I would write for them. So I wrote for them starting in uh, – very early 2010, I would say like March, maybe. Um, and within a couple months, they they loved my writing and they said, hey, we want to do a spinoff channel, like a second channel here at the company, and we want you to host it. Would you be interested? And I was like, are, are you kidding? I've never even watched YouTube. Um, <laughs> and so I got trial by fire. I was thrown into it and it took me a couple years to figure it out, but that's that's how it started. Okay. Uh, how, about, how about you, Ashton? How'd you get involved? Uh, well, somewhat similar. I had no idea or never heard of Classic Game Room. I was a little familiar with YouTube. Uh, but basically, I was looking for a job, and I found one on the internet. Tell us more about this internet. Yeah, <laughs> more specifically. I hear it's a series of tubes. Yeah. Oh. A web of sorts. Mm. 
not uh, the dump truck. I so found what? an ad. I would look on Craigslist uh, for jobs because I had nothing to live for at that point, I guess. Yeah, I tell people this story. And after I hear myself say it, they're like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they're like, you went to an interview that you got from Craigslist? <laughs> Hey, and you I left mean, with your head still connected? To be fair, I did ask to, to decapitate Ashton and was flatly told no. Yeah. So. Oh. So, at least, at least you tried, Derek. Yeah. I did. I really I, I saw him and I don't know what it was. There was just something about his face. I just thought I would like to cut that off. <laughs> oh no. Um <laughs> what it was, like you know, I couldn't tell you really why. It's just I had this compulsion. I was like, I kind of would like to cut that off and wear it. Have you ever seen Silence of the Lambs? Um it's been a minute. That was kind of going through my head at the time so i knew right away it would be a great working uh, relationship <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah i went um and they gave me the address and i was like okay and i googled it i was like oh it says guardian storage i was like oh, maybe God, they yes. like also just have office space <laughs> please tell me it was like a dockside warehouse uh almost it was on the river <laughs> it was literally almost that yeah Yeah. so i go in and uh they're like come into the into the office and let them know you're here i'm like all right so i go in and sure enough they they there was like a room at the table that we talked at for a little bit and they're like all right let's let's check out the space or whatever and they walk out of that room and open up one of these like garage doors into one of the storage units and there's like two desks and computers and somebody like typing on one i'm like uh, okay. I'm like, wow. oh, oh, it's here. <laughs> okay, so so I got to ask because you guys like, I think it's if you've watched the show, it's pretty common knowledge. It started out in a storage shed. Uh, that was very- what? <laughs> it didn't look like it. Like I didn't know that until you guys moved into like that 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 studio. Um, no, they'd bring us in with one of those uh, burlap sacks over our head. Yeah, I never knew mm-hmm. where it was. <laughs> So it was actually it was actually pretty brilliant. You know, that so the story behind it was they had this they owned this building, but it needed a lot of work. And that building was what you eventually saw as the classic game room studio that, that we had in the later years. Um, but it needed a lot of work. And so as they were putting that work into it, um, they were like, hey, we need office space. And it turns out when you go to a storage facility, like a like an apartment storage facility, right? Mm-hmm they don't really care what you use the space for. <laughs> they have space and they will, as long as you pay for it, it's your space. So it, they, in the meantime, while that office space was getting set up, we rolled all of our shit into these storage units and had like little like studio suites. Um, hmm. And it, it was in a way kind of brilliant because it was super cheap for them. It allowed us to kind of like, save money while we were spending money if that makes sense and then also it was really funny because we'd be in there i mean especially my stuff i would just be in there yelling and screaming (laughs) um and you would have these people walk by that are like moving their daughter to college and it's just like they peek (laughs) in and see me yelling and screaming and they're like what the fuck what is happening um it's av club mom it was so cool. It it really had like a Stranger Things AV club vibe to it. Like when those guys are in there <laughs> fucking around with radios and shit. That's kind of what we did, except we did it for literally like there were millions of people watched it. And it was it was such a surreal, weird 
thing, but God, it was great. So would you, did you guys have like internet inside the storage mm-hmm. facility or did you like out, outsource that to another location to do all your editing? Yeah, we had onsite uh, internet and editing stations wow. and the whole recording studio and cameras. They provided like everything. Yeah. They hooked up the each unit with internet for us. That's what I mean. Like they were super accommodating. They were like, oh, you're going to use this for office space? Well, here, we'll, we'll string up some better lights for you. We'll get internet in here. Um, I, I think it's one of those things where it's like the secret menu at McDonald's. Like you can go, <laughs> you can go to a storage facility and ask for the the office space, and it's like the secret menu. Like they'll do it for you, um, but obviously they're not going to advertise it. But it's like, yeah, they they could not have been more accommodating. And some of my favorite things about those years there were talking to the people who ran the storage facility because they were such great guys. And um, yeah, it, it was a weird thing. And and when like when people like Ashton came in, there was that initial hurdle of what the fuck is this? Like this seems like a real clown show. And to be fair, it was a clown show because Mark and I were clowns. Um, but you know, we we did some really great work with Classic Game Room was never ever ever about. And the reason it worked so well for me is it was never about the tools; it was about the content. Hmm. Um, it didn't matter what tools you were using. It didn't like. People, people, so many times people come up to me, they're like, oh, I want to get into YouTube. I want to start vlogging. What kind of equipment? I said, oh, you, you already shouldn't do it if that's what you're asking. Uh-huh. Because it's not about that. It's about, you, dude, if you have a phone, fuck it, that should work. What you should be worried about is your content, your ideas for that. Make that stuff good. And then the rest of the stuff doesn't matter as much. And, th- and that's what Classic Game Room was really all about. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's kind of the same sort of sentiment for, for just games in general, right? Like it, it's, it should be, it's, right? Yeah, it's it's less about the the triple A graphics and, and more about the actual mechanics and gameplay, or at least it should be. So now it, sh- it should. Yep. Uh-huh. Also, what I'm hearing is that a storage unit probably has a better internet connection than my house, which is fantastic. Well, definitely my house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't have it. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how he's here right now. Yeah. Well, that's it. Goes in with the whole risen savior thing. I'm yeah. just kind of omnipotent it's just a pre-recording that we're putting our answers and questions in between (laughs) (laughs) this whole episode was predestined gotcha okay so so i actually applied for like an editor position Uh, Mm -hmm. that's what they were looking for like an av editor and that was my background and they failed to mention because the one guy was leaving like the next week (laughs) but uh that was initially what i started to do and i did the whole time basically was was um edit other people's reviews so so the other reviews like like derek and there's only like one or two other people that edited it while i edited their own videos while i was there um but they would record the gameplay for like an hour or two and then record their audio and then me and another guy brandon would cut them up and make them the the final shows or whatever uh-huh. and there wasn't a lot of like uh, at least in my experience, <laughs> a ton of communication kind of back and forth. It was just kind of like, well, here's here's the here's the footage. Uh, here's their audio. You might get the script, I think, sometimes. Um, at least from me. I don't know about everybody else. Yeah. But yeah. Um, which is not like this isn't like a, a drag or criticism yet. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll, we'll but that was kind of what it was, was. That was just like, well, you know, make it whatever the current, you know, youtube target was like it started at like five minutes and then it became three minutes and then it was like two and a half minutes um 
but yeah, so it was, it was, yeah, it was interesting because it was a lot of kind of self-directed. There was just a list of like, you know, Derek recorded this game uh, at this time and Amanda did this game and there'd just be like a list. And then like me and Brian would be like, all right, I'll do this and this and this or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm curious, was there any sort of direction given to you as far as like how the the content should be sort of edited together in like some sort of you know, uniform fashion, like is the style of the, the CGR videos, was that something that was communicated to you or is that something that just kind of naturally like evolved over time? Um, I probably say it's, uh, my memory's fuzzy. It was 10 years ago at this point, uh, sure. <laughs> but probably more toward the latter. Um, there were a few things like that were just preset, like they did the little squirrel logo thing at the beginning and then the intro with the music. Uh, and the title or whatever, and then the the slate at the end that said like this is a journalistic review of mm-hmm. uh, Ben Ten or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, that- most of most of our guideposts were branding. Um, there were certain things for branding, obviously, that had to be consistent. So title screens and 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 lower thirds and things had to be the same files in all the videos, and they had to all look the same. But what was really cool about Undertow in particular, compared to the main show. Um, was that the main show was was just Mark. He was the only guy on it. So it all the videos had his tone. Whereas on Undertow, for a while, it was just me. But then there was a period of a, a couple of years there where we did have, like you mentioned, people like Amanda that came in. Um, we had like a... When, when Undertow was rolling and Classic Game Room was at its peak, we had a full-time staff of probably 20 people. Um, wow. Oh, and wow. so we had a lot of different personalities there working. And within that sort of framework of branding on Undertow you had different people giving different perspectives and different personalities. And that's one of the things I liked about it. That period um, was that everyone kind of did their own thing. And at least on my end, um, I was always a classic game room encouraged to make it my own because Mark and I could not be more different. Mm. He's very, he sees the positive in everything. I've never seen anything positive in my life. Um, (laughs) He's got this really great Shatner voice that sounds like butter melting over chocolate syrup. I come in sounding like Mickey Mouse has diarrhea. <laughs> like we could not. He, he likes Sega. I like Nintendo. Polar opposites in so many ways. And yet he would always say, no, do you like do that. That's who you mm-hmm. are. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the tone, I was really allowed to go my own direction. And especially in the later years, I went way out, um, and really pushed it. Um, but that, that was one of the great things is he never tried to make it like his show ever. And that's, that's something I could definitely tell, uh, with you, Derek, especially from like the last episode ever where it's, it's, it's a very good, I would call it like one of the most artistic pieces in in the entire catalog of CGR. I think it was very well done. Um, thank you. Very nice episode. Uh, but in terms of, how game like when you guys did game reviews because i come I, I noticed there was somewhat of a common theme or or at least a common like if you play games you would play these typical kind of games between who did reviews was that intentional so for example ashton i saw he did like final fantasy 5 and fact xanadu and uh more role-playing uh more complex like nes platformers or whatever like atypical nes games whereas you always kind of got the shitty games or, or <laughs> Nintendo games, <laughs> right? Was that was that by design, or was it more just random and just by coincidence? 
it was it was totally by design. So okay. one of the things we did, um, we were very. I, I mean, I've always been this way, and sometimes gamers get a little mad at me, but I'm very much a realist in that. Like, I don't like everything, and there's stuff that I don't give a shit about. And um, everyone's going to be like that if they're honest with themselves. You know, everyone wants to pretend that they love everything, and and maybe some people do, but like, I don't give a shit about JRPGs. I just don't. So we had different people on the staff who had Chris dying inside right now. Chris, I'm sorry. No, I get it. No, I get it. I completely get it. That's Um, fine. I hate smash brothers. So there's that. And I love it. So like we, we had different people. We always thought like, I want the person who knows the most about this shit to talk about it. So if it was a JRPG, we went to someone like Ashton or for a while we had someone named TJ who was really good at that. Mm -hmm. Um, like a total otaku. Um, (laughs) we call him, uh, we call him weebs now. Oh, is that the new word? I weeb? think so. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what that's what Shane always calls me. He's a total weeb. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and that was what was cool. It's like if it's a big AAA Nintendo game, I'm going to review it. If it's a shitty Barbie game, I'm also going to review it. That was my range. Um, and then if it were, you know, JRPG, someone else would do it. If it was a Sega game, someone like we, we had different departments basically, and and it sort of started off intentionally, and then it just kind of became second nature a game would come in and we'd be like oh well that's obviously a a tj game or that's obviously a Derek game um and people would send in games and request certain people you know here's a game for Derek to review here's a game i really want tj's thoughts on so Mm. i'm gonna uh not push back maybe peel the kimono is that the right term um but my experience is a little different um and i think from my observations Derek's job and experience was a lot different than I would say, at least when I worked there, like the other reviewers, um, like Derek was working full time and he kind of, you know, like you had these games, like you had like so many you were doing per day, right? Like you kind of had yeah. a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. We had different people at CGR undertow, but I was always the main host and it was not to be a dick, but it was me. And <laughs> like, if anyone out there's a metal fan, that knows the band Megadeth. I was the Dave Mustaine of CGR Undertow. And, every, oh, you know, no. we filled in some musicians here and there, but, like, I was always there, and it was kind of my... Right, yeah. which was, was great. He, was, he, no... was he a Dave Mustaine size... Was he a Dave Mustaine size dick, Ashton? <laughs> Only you once. Can be honest. Ashton, you can totally be honest, because I'm sure I was at times. <laughs> no, uh, Derek, Derek was always awesome. I and mean, that's not just me being nice because he's here. Um, Derek was always great to work with. But Derek was kind of always doing his thing. Like that was like he came in and he would write reviews or he had them written already and he would he had a lot to do. Like that was like his, you know, job, like his responsibility was to do these reviews. Uh and he certainly, you know, I don't think anyone could argue, like he worked the hardest at it. Um and it and it definitely showed. Like he he just had he had his he did have a like a flavor to it. Um he had some of his running jokes that, you know, pretty much landed every time. Uh and from what I remember, I always enjoyed editing Derek's videos um, because they were always like there was usually something clever about them. Um, at least, you know, a couple of really good jokes that landed landed well, um, where everybody else didn't have quite as comfortable or strong a voice. Probably next in line would be TJ. He was also, yeah. he probably had the second longest career. Uh, I didn't work with some of the other earlier guys who 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 did some good stuff. Um, but anyway, when I was there, it it felt a little more like um, 
pick a game, do the review, edit it in under an hour, like, you know, work on it for an hour and then put it up and like do the next one and do the next one. And I, so, yeah. I kind of felt like I didn't really receive a ton of direction. It was more like, uh, let's get it done. Make sure, you know, these crucial things are covered, like whether right. they be legal or copyright or, or whatever. Um, so it was more like there, it felt, and this could have been my problem. Like I wasn't trying to communicate better, but I felt like it was, there was a bit of a disconnect. Like we weren't given a ton of directions like, Hey, we want to make sure you have these, there was really no editing process. It was just kind of like if someone was willing and able to come in and record on the system and write a review that ended up being, you know, three to five minutes or whatever, it's like, okay, you're a reviewer now. You know, they didn't have to be incredibly clever or observational. Um, and it was just like some of these people like had never really done it before. So it's not really like they sucked at it necessarily. Well, I mean, they did because they didn't have any experience, you know. Right. And that's kind of fine. Just... There wasn't really much gatekeeping or whatever. And to some degree, that's great. Like, And it's 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 interesting you say that because I think you really saw that when they, they launched the website when you guys first left left YouTube. I don't know if you were there for that. Were you asking when uh, they left uh, YouTube for the first time? Um, I let they had started uploading on some other sites like Daily Motion and stuff. Right, right. That was right about the end of my my illustrious career there. Okay, <laughs> but um, and actually, I hadn't. I stopped reviewing at some point. They just had me, and I don't even think I was really editing anyone's videos anymore. Mm-hmm. It was mostly just Brandon and I think TJ did his own. Derek Meyer started doing his own. Um, I was on this other project where I was like uploading old videos to a different website to get more views and get more ad revenue. And yeah, it just kind of felt more like we're just doing it just so we can keep the lights on. And like to some degree, I sympathize like YouTube, you know, every day it's like different what the rules are. And one day they monetize, next they don't. And next time Mm -hmm. you say something weird and you lose all your money, like that's shitty. Um, But it, 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 and I, felt a little bit of like there was a bit of a not I don't know disconnect or like you had people running the company that were like super good at running a business like a like a legit business <laughs> but this was totally different this was online and new and changing and while they so, had the advantage to like know how to run something super well like use the storage unit that they were already renting as an office brilliant um, they were always felt like they were trying to keep up and change and and adapt which is cool but it kind of made it hard to like get any traction um when all the other reviewers were more like kind of a part-time like if you did a review you got paid whatever the standard rate was that they had or whatever um and so yeah you were getting paid to play and review video games but i don't know it it wasn't I, I didn't feel like it wasn't like, hey, let's try new things and let's there wasn't like time enough or space enough to like really c- collaborate. Like that's always what I wanted was there to be kind of an editing process like like Derek has this script and he runs it by a couple of people. We like a writing room kind of experience, you know, right. and maybe that wouldn't have worked. But I always felt like we could have taken it to the next level and really done some cool things had we like tried to explore outside the box or take risks or something and I always felt they were a little risk adverse and again maybe it's just my experience maybe I wasn't 
now that I've had 10 years to kind of sit on it, <laughs> I can articulate it a little better. Uh, but in the moment, it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll edit this video. Sure. Yeah, it's done. Okay, next one. Well, honestly, I mean, not that, you know, not that I'm an insider on any of this because our our exposure to YouTube is just uploading our shitty Twitch streams and like the video versions of like the podcast audio. But from what I've gathered from, you know, more uh, illustrious YouTubers, um, over the past few years is that sort of frantic pace of trying to keep up with the constant platform changes and being, you know, agile in that way while also pumping out regular content is apparently not unusual. And it's somewhat like endemic to the platform, yep. which yeah. I think what you were saying, you know, is kind of detrimental to that whole creative process. Right. And I'd like so to give I, a lot of my last point, and I'll shut up. <laughs> I wanted to give a lot of credit, like say some positive things, like to Mark, because um, the things he was doing, like nobody was doing it at that time, you know, like he was oh, a bit of a sure. pioneer in that. And, you know, I I was grateful to be able to, um, you know, pay rent um, with that and another part-time job, like doing this thing that was kind of cool and, um, you know, reviewing games and working with a, an internet company. Um, it was cool. <laughs> it was cool. It wasn't without its hardships and trials and whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think, at, you know, Ashton was there at a time when this was especially true. But there was something that was true about that place. Now, for me, if you talk to a lot of people who had interactions with them and with us there, they will have horror stories, um, to be quite frank. I have never shared that. I, I, I'll just say, cause I don't want to negate what you'll ever hear anybody else say. I had a very different experience at classic game room than a lot of people. And I, and I think it was based purely on the fact that of my position there. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I was the mark of our show. So I got a lot of preferential treatment and, and I, I had a, I mean, I was making a salary, so I didn't have any qualms about anything business wise. You won't hear me criticize classic gamer very much at all um but one thing i will say is that sometimes i think people had a misconception they would see me and mark goofing around on camera and they thought oh these are just some dudes goofing around on camera when in reality it was a company and it was run by business people who were brilliant business people um but who did not know anything about video games whatsoever Hmm. and so it it was like bobby kotick I don't know God. what that is. <laughs> you're better. You're better off. And also, I appreciate that you referred to him as a that. But continue. Yeah, so he sounds like a real that. But yep. it would just it would get a little frustrating. And I'm not criticizing them because I didn't know anything about what they were doing. You know, it was just different pages. Um, and they, you know, I, I mean, I don't like to pull back the curtain too much, but it was run by people who were very, very successful in other areas. Um, and so I had people I had to report to, and it was never in a creative sense. Ashton's right in that regard. It was always more about, here's your quota. It, they, they were numbers people. Hmm. Um, and so we never got to really have discussions about the creative side. And again, I'm not trying to criticize them for that. That's their world. Uh-huh. Um, I'm the artsy fartsy English kid who's never <laughs> made any money, who just cares about the integrity of the content. Right. So obviously we, I mean, we butted heads sometimes, um, but in particularly in the later years after Ashton was gone, it changed. But during that time when things were really at their peak in terms of money and success, it was very much an assembly line. 
I would come in and do my part and the gears kept moving, man. Like I had to do 10 reviews a week. That was not my choice to do that. Right. People would get really mad and say, you're barely playing this game. It's like, dude, I'm doing what I can. I have to review 10 of these a week. And and I think people hear 10 and they think that's a small number. Okay, well, you got to play the game. You got to research the game. You got to record the game. You got to think about the game. You got to write a script for the game. You got to deliver that script. And you got to think about that script. Did that really land? Then you got to edit the script. You got to do that 10 times in a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so things got That's a tight. crazy pace. Yeah. It was an insane pace. And it was especially hard on, this is where the splitting of the work worked really well because I didn't have to sit with it that long. I would do my part and then kick it off to Ashton and start something else or kick it off to Brandon and start something else. So we were all laser focused on what we had to do at the time, what was right in front of us. And because of that, particularly again, in those earlier years, there wasn't as much of the creative back and forth. Later on, when the company was starting to struggle financially, things loosened up. When it was basically just me and Mark there, I mean, not only were those my favorite years at Classic Game Room, those were those were some of my favorite years of my life. I would and I think maybe that's why I I look back at that time with a much rosier perspective than Ashton and Brandon and some others might. I am forever grateful for those years and would take them back in a heartbeat if I could. They were the best years of my life. I learned every day I went to work there, I learned so much just from working with people like Brandon and Ashton and Mark. I went into that with no video experience at all. Zero. I'd never edited a video. And now I'm a full-time videographer for a living. Like Mm. my whole life was altered and changed by classic game room in the best way possible. And I, I just, yeah, I, I, cause I know I, I hear when, cause a lot of times people, when we still talk, I'd still talk with people from then and they'll be like, Hey, remember that nightmare day? And I'm like, yeah, but I, <laughs> I would still take that. <laughs> I just, I just had a different experience and, and I miss it a lot. I, that's great. And I think that's awesome. I, and I definitely learned a lot too. Like, to be honest, like I used an editing program I'd never touched before that I didn't mention during my interview. Uh, but I learned how to use it and now like that's the one I use exclusively now. Um, and yeah, there were definitely a lot of, a lot of really great, great things that came out. And I was, uh, like (laughs) watching, uh, my old reviews in kind of preparation for this. And I was, it was kind of that, like, uh, you know, like looking at old photos yourself or reading an old diary or something like, Oh, how bad is this going to be? You know? But I was actually surprised. I was like, Hey, some of these are, they're they're okay. wait i read that that's kind of funny (laughs) the wild thing about undertow is that and and this is one of the things i'm most grateful for mark for is they did not take the show down it is still up there Mm -hmm. there's still a mountain of content and people are still discovering it i get messages literally every day from people about undertow and the the channel is still growing every day it has more subscribers than it's the day before like there, there are people who are discovering it now who don't even know that it's not a thing anymore. You know what I mean? Like it, sure, yeah. it, it's been able to continue on its own and exist. And when I do go back and look at stuff or when people send me stuff, I am fucking proud of some of that stuff. Some of the stuff, again, particularly in the later years, cause it took me a while to figure out how to do the job, but Mark encouraging me and, t- and w- one of the most important lessons I ever learned from Mark he would he would get frustrated with me and 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 rightfully so because I was a pain in the ass. But I had a I came from a journalism world where this shit's serious, right? 
this this mm-hmm. game about a plumber jumping on a evil mushroom this is serious shit and we need to take it seriously and and provide a real uh, a real deep uh, psychological look at this game. And Mark would always just be like, "Dude, pump the brakes. You doing a ten minute video about the psychology of Zelda is great. <laughs> it's great. But you know what's going to get a lot more traction if it's just you chilling, having fun. And I resisted that forever until I finally realized, and I, and I've seen it." reflected back in in other areas of life he's totally right everything is entertainment nobody watches the news if it's not entertaining you know like if you're not especially in this world now where there's a million different options of things you can look at and play and you have a split second to get somebody's attention you you probably shouldn't spend 10 minutes making an argument like let's get to it let's have a good time and let's engage um i I was always so much more focused in those early years on making a really clever argument where it's like, dude, just engage. Um, and that was a lesson I learned from him that I've applied to even what I do today. So I, I want to touch on something really briefly because I, I think, it, I mean, if you've noticed or maybe you haven't, a lot of people really shit on Mark nowadays. And I'm not asking really for yeah. your opinion on that one way or another because I just want to kind of go back to something where you said you reported to people. So it sounds like Mark was Mark kind of caught in this system or yeah. okay because i mean mark steered his own ship in a lot of ways um because i mean undertow was was really successful enough so that i made a full-time living on it and i was able to live i was able to travel the world and live a dream because of it so we i mean we did well mm-hmm. um but mark was in a whole different league i mean mark and because of that success he was afforded a lot of a lot more creative freedom and and you know, if Mark missed a quota, I'm sure it was different than if I missed the quota, right? Like Mark kind of ran his own ship. Um, but w- what I'll say, I think a lot of people misunderstand Mark. Mark lives for video. Mark is the biggest nerd I've ever met. And I mean that in an, in an endearing way. He loves the stuff he's passionate about. He adores it. But he's also a realist. And he's a, God, guys, he's a dad. He's got kids. He's a grown-up. Like if something's not making sense for his time, he's going to stop doing it. And, and I, I've never, I've got qualms with a lot of things that happened at classic game room. I, I have, I can honestly tell you, I don't remember ever once having anything. I can't remember a single one of them having to do with Mark. I I just think it's because Mark is the face of classic game room or, or eighties comics as it's called now. Maybe it will be different next week. Um, and and, and, and that's just how it is. I'm not trying to say anything about anything. It's just the reality of the situation. But when, when you say that there is, you know, people running the business and of course I'm not asking you to get into the weeds about that. I think that a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, and they associate everything that has gone on with classic game room with Mark. Correct. Yep. Yeah. I mean, when, when undertow shut down, I can't tell you the amount of messages I saw people send Mark, like, why did you close undertow? Like, as if he wanted to do that, as if that was his decision. As, like people just, it, it, it's a thing now with the, you know, people just assume things. And a, I would say 90% of what people assume about classic game room and undertow and everything that happened is probably wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I am curious about something that you mentioned uh, a few minutes back. You were saying that, uh, that the pace and the sort of like assembly line sort of nature of what you guys were kind of cranking out seemed to change in the later years almost like it coincided with the company having 
perhaps some you know financial struggles or something, which I find interesting because you think it'd be the other way around. But do you do you think of like why that occurred in that fashion? So yeah, I mean, I it, it was a thing you could see happening. So when Ashton was around, we were at our our peak in terms of hiring. Like I said, we had a team of probably about 20 people and, and like a company we had Christmas parties and like, like there, it was a real work office environment as much mm. as a video game review company could be, you know? Um, sure. As YouTube, I mean, and, and if there's anyone I'm going to shit on here, it's YouTube. Um, <laughs> That's fair. As YouTube, and, and it's the most as YouTube, YouTube thing we've said all the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like YouTube changed so much and it became a platform, not for the smaller creator like us. It became a platform for PewDiePie. Mm-hmm. Um, it became a platform for the, for the really big people and it squeezed out everyone else. They really started to, and, and I could see this in Mark every single day. Mark fucking like, I'm not trying to suck his dick, but he created the idea of the video game review show. Fucking nobody was doing that before Mark. And I don't care what anybody says. And it's not just because I worked across the hall from him for six years that he did that. Well, in 1999. Um, Yeah. I I mean, people were dialing up their fucking modems to watch Mark. Like, (laughs) I don't want to hear anybody say Mark, you know, Mark's the guy that started this. And for YouTube to treat him the way they treated us. I mean, they would just every day. It was a different thing where they were changing the monetary policies and we were making less and less and less money. At the same time, our views were going up and up and up and up and up. Mm-hmm. So it was this frustrating thing for everyone, I'm sure, at the company where they recognized the good work everyone was doing. And yet, due to factors out of our control, things were getting harder and harder, and they had to let people go. Um, it, it got to the point where from that team of, again, almost 20 people probably, it got to the point where it was just me and Brandon working on Undertow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even Brandon had to go. And then for a while, for the last probably eight months of the company, it was just me. And in those, in that time, I think out of necessity, they had to, we just had to say like, we're not going to be able to do the same amount of stuff. You're going to do what you can get done, you know? Um, And it was in those years that I think I made my best content. And, And it wasn't just because I had more time, but it was because I had Brandon I had years of working with Brandon, who is a goddamn saint who taught me so much about using a camera and, not I'm not again I'm not talking about the technical end of you know all that stuff I'm talking about hey here's a really clever way to hold it for this shot mm-hmm. hey why don't you focus on this for this angle hey here's how you compose this frame I learned that stuff from Brandon and from Mark and being able to apply all that at the end was like a bittersweet it sucks because it, I was better at that job at the end than I'd ever been and having to let go of it sucked yeah I can imagine so in the in the following years, like after this sort of thing, and actually, Derek, you touched on this a little bit, but I'm curious, both from you and and actually from Ashton also, outside of like the messages and things like that, that evidently you still get um, about Undertow and things like that. I mean, have you experienced any sort of, and I'm doing air quotes on this audio only format, but I'm telling you, uh, like any sort of celebrity like from this, like, you oh, know, is this like a day to day thing or? It, so, I, and again, I, I I'm. I don't have much of an ego because I don't think very highly of myself. People who know me personally will tell you that I should probably have more of an ego. I think I'm the biggest piece of shit that ever lived. However, um, when Undertow was really cranking, it it was so cool. And and again, the thing I'm so grateful for and miss so much is, my God, it was every week I would mm-hmm. get noticed somewhere. I I I'm, I went to an office depot once to get something trivial for the for the office, and this guy that worked there kept coming up to me. 
are you doing okay? You, you doing okay? You need something? I'm like, no, I'm good, bro. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Finally, he's like, a girl that he worked with came over with him and was like, he's afraid to ask, are you the guy from classic game room? And would you, <laughs> with him? I'm like, yeah, dude, you didn't have to bring the girl over. Like, yeah. But that kind of shit happened so much. I, I was walking down the street. I live in Pittsburgh and I'm walking down the street in downtown Pittsburgh. And this little kid runs up to me, tugs at my shirt. I take off my headphones. I'm listening to death metal, so I can't hear him. So I take off the headphones and he's like, I just wanted to say I love your videos and I watch all the time. And he hugged me. Oh, oh. I cried for a week. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. And I think I forgot sometimes that how big the show was. I mean, we had 150, 160,000 subscribers and, and that was a fraction of the audience. Most of our audience came from people stumbling across it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we had videos that hit millions and millions of views. So I mean, one of the things life since then has been really hard for me. Mm. Um, and, and one of the things that sucked the most is I, I couldn't find a job after undertow and I had to go work at a record store. And so I was seriously depressed. Every day I wanted to just die because I felt like a failure. And what was really hard about it was this record store also sold video games. Oh. So every day someone would come in shopping for video games and see me there and flip shit and, and ask for a picture. And then they'd be like, so what are you doing? What are you doing here? And I'd be like, um, I'm working here now. And I yeah. just felt like, wow, what? what, why you're, you're Derek from classic game room. What are you doing here? And it's like, yeah, I miss that. Um, but yeah, the, the celebrity stuff, I, the last video I did, I'm really glad you brought it up because that was hard for me to do. And, and I wanted it to be honest. Losing that job was brutally hard for me emotionally. And because for years it, it was the only thing I cared about. Hmm. Um, and to go from, there's a line in that video that's, the truest thing I've ever written. It, it was really hard for me to go from Derek from classic game room to just Derek again. And I don't know that I have it all yet really. Um, but the letters I got during that period, as we were closing up and as I was working on that last video, I mean, people sent toys and letters from around the world. People sent Ninja turtle toys from fucking France. I, <laughs> the guy, just thanking us for what we did. And um, that's awesome though. It was. And I, <laughs> And I think that's part of the reason I don't um, think about the hard stuff as much is because of the, the unbelievable blessing it was to work there and to have that. I'm sorry. No, man. You're good, man. Let it go. Let it loose. I lost a lot in the last few years of my life. And the amazing thing is that I haven't lost the people that watch that fucking stupid YouTube show. (laughs) (laughs) I get, so uh, here's, here's an interesting little thing that illustrates the the support it's been five years now since the last episode, right? Like it's been a while. Yeah. And, um, I, my car broke down and I was in a really bad spot, like six earlier this year, probably in, in March. And I couldn't afford a new car. I undertow viewers raised a thousand dollars for me to make a down payment on a new car. Five years after the show, I can't thank, I'm sorry. No, it's okay, good, man. You're no, good. I'm the one that should be sorry. <laughs> you need to start Mark over. <laughs> no, no, no. I can't thank Mark enough for giving me that opportunity. Um, and to to hear that, I don't think I did. I hear it a lot. I hear all. I had a student, a college student from Australia, emailed me and asked to interview me for her thesis. 
oh, wow. because she got into journalism because of CGR Undertale. I miss it every day. And, and I, I can never thank those people enough. The people who watched, even the people who got on and trolled. Um, <laughs> Especially the trolls. Yeah. There's trolls. Every day we got in, it was like, all right, let's read the comments for today. Uh, <laughs> Eric sounds like a butch lesbian. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> my favorite one of all time was my mom came in when I was watching this. I changed to porn. It was easier to explain. <laughs> like, That's great. I just love that. And I miss that community so much. And um, it, it was yeah. just <laughs> And every day was so weird. I would go in and Mark would be like, hey, what are you doing right now? And I'd be like, I just got here five hours late, of course. He's like, well, don't don't worry about it. We're going to go film something. And my bosses would be kind of pissed because Mark would pull me away from whatever I was supposed to be doing. And we would go just like film some stupid fucking thing with toys in the woods. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and it, people all over, all over the place watched it. And that was a dream. Anyway, I'm rambling, but sorry. <laughs> no, no, man. I, listen, I'll I'll be the first to tell you that I, I appreciate you sharing like your perspective on That's this. amazing. Like, man. A, at least for me, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but everything that you have just said is has put a completely different sort of spin on a lot of the things that I thought I knew was going on uh, in sort of like the periphery of of classic games. That's what I mean. A lot of people don't know. My God, there there was a kid who watched Undertow that had um, did he have cerebral palsy? I'm pissed at myself that I don't remember, <laughs> but he had a condition and he was in a wheelchair. Um, his mom would write me, and just and she would send videos of him watching my stuff, and how happy it would make him, and. I would first tell her, "You're a really bad mom for letting him watch my <laughs> But also, um, don't stop. But, you know, I got to send him a birthday message. I did a, a like a quick little minute long video just for him and I sent it to him privately and his mom sent me the video of him watching it. That's amazing. And I just never, I just never, you never expect when you show up at a storage facility <laughs> um, from a bunch of people who don't, I mean, and they would probably tell you they didn't really know much about video games except for Mark that are giving you an opportunity. You know, they gave me a platform Mark, you know, I, I mean, honestly, Undertow was built by Mark's name. The only reason I got any attention up front was because people loved Mark. Hmm. So let's see what this other thing is. Um, and eventually I built my own audience, but the only reason I was given that chance is because of Mark. And for him to stake his name like that, for him to give someone with the clear mental problems that I have <laughs> a platform with his name attached to it, you just never expect it to turn into what it did. And it was the most important time of my life and and in a way it's also the worst because everything since then has felt utterly meaningless um compared to just the great stuff we got to do back then oh comparatively yeah i i can't imagine and i mean from from an artistic standpoint you know creating something that is going to be long lasting and kind of creates somewhat of a legacy i mean for for yourself and everybody else involved that's that's, that's, that's it, right? Like that's the thing you're shooting for. And so to have that, that's, that's incredible. A leg, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, again, I, I made dick jokes on the internet. Um, <laughs> I mean, you say that man, but I mean, you forever. don't want to downplay it. I mean, just, just the way that you've described it. I mean, you can talk all you want about it. It just being this dumbass thing that was on YouTube, but 
it obviously had a, an amazing impact on a lot of the people that watched it. And the fact that they're still coming back to it to this day and, and coming to you, I think is a testament to, to that content that you put out there. I mean, I can only hope that our stupid podcast has some sort of impact that's even remotely close to that. I mean, it's, it's just do the thing, you know what I mean? Like do the thing, make the thing you and people will respond to that. I remember I, I used to get so worried about videos and like, well, I don't have any idea for this. What am I going to do? And I would really stress out sometimes because I, I wanted everything. One of my myriad of problems is that I'm a perfectionist. And if something's even slightly off, I will lose sleep over it. Mm-hmm. And so, especially at that kind of pace, a lot went by that I wouldn't have wanted that way or wanted to change. And I'd get really frustrated. And Mark, he pulled me aside once. He's like, Derek, people aren't watching. He, <laughs> So Derek, there's not a lot of people on the internet who want to watch a video review of Barbie Game Girl for the Game Boy. <laughs> he said, people are watching this video because you're the one talking about it. Mm-hmm. They, they want to hear you talk about whatever X is. In my case, X was really bad video games and some really good video games. You know, I did not realize that at the time that he was so right that it, it it's a yeah, cult of personalities, not a positive sounding word, but people watch Mark's show for Mark. Sure. And they loved him and supported him. And to have a fraction of that, I don't think people know how much that's meant to me over the years, frankly. Well, hopefully now they do, or at least the the folks that listen to this show. (laughs) Although I will say, what can I say one thing? Absolutely. You would think that at some point of being noticed in public and all the shit, right? You would think at some point it would have been a really hot, like 22 year old girl. (laughs) But I would just like to say, you are all very ugly, very male, very male human beings is all I'm going to say. And it's just at some point, it would have been nice is all I'm going to say. That's, that's the thing I'm most pissed about in retrospect. Hey, Emma Watson was- is still available, man. Oh. <laughs> She's still right so, there. Listen, sidetrack, but true story. I am the only man a lot. This is true. I stood up Emma Watson. Wait, what? Okay, no, no, okay, I need to hear this now. She was in Pittsburgh, I live, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, shooting a movie. I happened to know the set medic, hmm. who happened to know Emma Watson. So he's talking to her one day about me, and she's like laughing at all the dumb shit. He told her, like, oh, you, he's even got an internet show. He, he like pretends to talk to you, but it's just a cardboard cutout of you. And rather than call the police, she found the. <laughs> <laughs> and so. She was like, oh, oh, well, bring him by the set. I would love to meet him. I didn't go. It was all set up. Oh, he's like, man. he's like, dude, you're in. She finishes filming at six tomorrow. Come by and she'd love to talk to you. And I didn't go. Oh, what happened? I didn't go because I listen, I'm a man of outcomes, right? Okay. What possible like let's analyze what the outcomes could have been. Outcome <laughs> A. She goes, oh, hello, Derek. I've heard a lot about you. And I just fall over dead. (laughs) Not like a great outcome. Okay. Two. Oh, hello, Derek. I've heard a lot. And then she falls to the ground because I've tackled her. (laughs) Okay. Also not a great outcome. So I I just went through this list and I thought the most probable outcome was me just looking like an idiot and being like, (laughs) and maybe crying. And I thought I can't do it. I can't go. And so I didn't go. But in the back of my mind, I like to think 
that somewhere in the back of her mind, she's thinking, there's that one guy in my whole life. No one has ever stood up Emma Watson, okay? No one's done it. I'm confident in that, except me. You guys are looking at the king idiot, all right? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I am Costanza, Lord of the Fools. If you're gonna be good, if you're gonna be an idiot, be the best. You're just, and I would like to. You're just playing hard to get, man. You wanted her to come to you. He's playing That's the what I'm long doing. game. Yes. That's what it is. So and so, as opposed to like meeting her and being nice and charming and thankful for her time, I started a Twitter campaign. <laughs> Hashtag reasons Emma Watson should date Derek. <laughs> and I did this during the undertow years when we had a sizable following, uh, and. I didn't think it would really catch on. There were hundreds of tweets. <laughs> hashtag reasons Emma Watson should date Derek. He would let you go first in Duck Hunt. Uh, hashtag <laughs> Emma Watson. Like, just a bunch of crazy shit that she was tagged in. Um, and so I, she knows. She knows what's going on, I think. Oh, that is incredible. I just derailed show, I'd like to just say. And I'm very uh, glad that I did that. I, I don't apologize for doing that because we landed on Emma Watson playing duck hunt with me, which as I think a uh, great visual and, and a great thing to talk about. Definitely. By the way, Ashton, I haven't forgotten. And I'll ask you cause your, your experience there is more subdued. You weren't really the face of CGR at, at, um, it's Ashton. I'd also like to add Ashton's also a rational human being with control over his emotional state. So he's, <laughs> he's got a much more, he, he's got a much more uh, valid opinion. Is it control if there's just non-existent? This goes back more to the celebrity because I remember um, oh, right. we were talking about. I don't know why we were talking about CGR, but um, we we brought it up in our Discord uh, shortly after Ashton became one of our patrons, and he's like, "Yeah, I was part of CGR Undertow," and I was like, "Get the fuck out of here, man!" Um, <laughs> I marked out a little bit. Uh, oh, that's so great! It's like wow, like no fucking way, like that's wild. But um, to to that point, did you did you get any of the celebrity or just any of the uh, residual, um, you know, just just props from working there in the brief time that you did? Uh, well, I think you did this to Shane in, a, in or an episode a few weeks ago, but that was my one story. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that was yes, that was the last episode. He stole my entire fantasy star story with like five words. Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah hey, I mean, I, and to be fair ashton ashton was there like a lot l- less than i was and i was on camera a lot more so you know right and mm-hmm. i also you're gonna remember a guy with long curly red hair who sounds like uh you know a goddamn uh wolverine got trapped in a garbage disposal you're gonna remember that guy <laughs> yeah i was i was there maybe a year or so um mm-hmm. and yeah never on camera a lot of just mostly behind the scenes stuff and that was probably the case for almost almost everybody um with the exception of Derek maybe TJ a couple of the earlier guys that I never met um but yeah no I think that is kind of definitely one of the things that's cool one of the few things cool about YouTube <laughs> you know it's just kind of having those kind of like you know what could you compare it to a few decades ago like a local mm-hmm. radio show host or something or newscaster or something like that right Uh, i also like when derek said that uh they you guys only had like 150 170 000 uh, subscribers (laughs) but this was back in the wild west days of youtube and that was nothing to sneeze at like 170 000 subscribers was was a lot back in like 2012 2013 
Yep. It was a whole different world back then. We had a really big audience for that time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, and also I wouldn't, I don't know if you guys like wrestling. I was at a, someone mentioned marking out. That's me. Um, yeah. I, okay. I, any, literally any time I went to a ring of honor show, there were always gamer nerds in the crowd who came up to me. And I, I mean, I remember an intermission of a ring of honor show. I'm in the front row. Dude comes up with his friends and they're asking for pictures with me. Everyone around us thinks I'm like a wrestler or something. Hmm. And I'm like, I'm just a fucking lunatic who yells about Emma Watson in public and somehow doesn't get arrested for that. <laughs> like that's, that's that's all I've done here. So please don't. <laughs> I mean, look at me. I'm not a wrestler. <laughs> but that, it was just wild. Like, I mean, come on, Marco. It, it was, Marco stunts a wrestler. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But what was even cooler is like the times when people were just real chill about it. Like they didn't freak out. Um, I'd be like, I'd be in the grocery store and, and one time someone was like, Derek, what's up? As, as like, I walked past, they're just like pushing their buggy and I would just like point, you know, and like, it, it, it made me feel, especially like, I, I don't got a ton of friends in my personal life. So it just felt like you were, it was nice to be wanted around that was, that, you know, that was just really cool. So, so one of the things, yeah, of course, yeah. a theme I've heard and going more back to the, you know, production line and, and how you guys developed, um, like the YouTube algorithms always changing and how you, you, you work for more business oriented people. Was there ever a discussion? Cause when you guys were at your apex, you also started seeing the rise of uh, gaming channels. Like of course the angry video game nerd who came up along the side of you, uh, the completionist, you got a lot of uh, subscribers uh, during your apex, same with game theory and uh, a lot of other gaming channels. Was there ever a discussion of, moving it to more maybe of a less intensive setup or a weekly show, something that Ashton kind of suggested, like more of a writing committee and coming up with more broader, bigger episodes on a less uh, that that would, you know, come out on a, a less or a regular schedule, but just less episodes overall. Was there any discussion about ever that any of that? I mean, to, to illustrate just the mentality they had in, in the world they came from when things started getting really tight, one of their grand ideas was, well, obviously we need product to sell, <laughs> uh, which is a, as an old school business person. Yeah. That made sense, you know, 30 years, 20, 30 years ago or whatever. Like, but like, you know, making more t-shirts or making more things that people can buy, wasn't going to s- save us. You know, we needed, I, I remember one of the things I suggested and here, mark it down. Here's one of the few times I'll be critical. I, one of the things I suggested was, well, why don't we have a system where like people pay a monthly fee? This was like even before Patreon, I think. I was like, you, know, you, you kick in a couple, like I, I was basing it on the idea of like premium podcasts, podcast free, but for our members who pay $3 a month, you get a little extra shit, you know? I said, why don't we make the show free like always, but we have a paid component, like a, a membership thing. And I told them as much as people love the show, there would definitely be people who would pay to like get shout outs on the show and, and to maybe be guests on the show. Like we, we could make more money that way without really altering our workflow because we would just put some of it behind a paywall. Um, and I'll never forget the idea. They, <laughs> I've mentioned that idea to like the higher ups and, and I'll never forget what they said to me. They were like, yeah, I just don't see people paying for content like that. <laughs> Nobody would ever do that. Right. Ashton <laughs> <laughs> morons. <laughs> but 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 okay so as, as long as we have you on the line here ashton what was your what would your opinion be of that because like like you said you'd be like editing three plus videos per day mm-hmm. um 
was there ever that kind of mindset that, hey, if we, we can limit the amount of episodes we make and we might be able to emulate what these other channels are doing? Right. Yeah, I I think I had those ideas kind of like percolating in the back of my mind, but I'm like so introverted and like I need to like sit on something for so long like that. And that's the opposite of YouTube. <laughs> like they don't want you sitting on things. They want you to, you know, go live. <laughs> yeah. Say it now. Uh, I, and I had ideas for that. I remember I had an idea. The closest thing I came to pitching <laughs> was I wanted to do like a, I had an idea for a like retro gaming Christmas parody song. And we would have the like different reviewers sing different parts of it in the background would be like all the winter snow levels from video games or something like that. Uh, so I had those ideas all the time, but I just got, you know, like, was too nervous and scared and I was like, eh, that's not my place, you know? So that was more, more so on me, but yeah, that was kind of like what I was, that, that's what I envisioned. Cause I like started watching YouTube before, you know, Google bought it and it turned into what it is now. And they, mm-hmm. I had, I'd watch like shows that were so small, like they thanked every subscriber and, <laughs> you know, they would, they would do things and uh, everything was kind of, we also have no idea what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we think every, every patron, I, I think we have a little bit more than that. Come on now. Shane. Give <laughs> no, us, give well, us okay, fine. All right, fine. No, but like the, no, I, I mean, I know I said this before, but it still blows my fucking mind that you guys were putting out that much content at that breakneck pace. Like, I mean, even big channels today, um like i i always go back to like game grumps right because they're huge and like their release schedule is what i think it's i i want to say i think they do like one or i think it's two videos a day but also they're a let's play channel so it's like way less overhead and like there's not really any scripting or anything like that and so for you guys to be pumping out the amount of content you did i just i guess it would have had to have been um you know, like an assembly line set up at some point because there's just no way that you could keep up with that pace. Yeah, and I mean, we had people there pretty much like all hours. Um, you know, if you had the code for the gate or whatever, you could you could almost get in whenever. Uh, so I can't remember exactly, but there must have been some sort of schedule thing because um, we only had like two, maybe three editing stations and two or three recording stations or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was before people like owned their own recording you know, game streaming kind of thing. They they couldn't just come. Actually, one girl came in with a hard drive, I think, but it was like super wrong. Like <laughs> it was like <laughs> 420 or like the 240 resolution. It was like super tiny. And I'm like, yeah, I can't uh, edit this. And she also recorded 15 minutes of it. <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to replay the same 30 second clip, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, so. The days before Twitch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I mentioned in passing, like there was a lot of innovation and things ahead of its time. But uh, as kind of Derek mentioned, like YouTube didn't always, if you weren't following their rules at the time, you were punished, basically. I, I do have I do have one final question because we have been going for an hour and 30 minutes. I know Shane likes to keep his keep his episodes tight. Uh but in terms of, and this is, of course, both of you. It's just a general um, life philosophy, really. But yeah, go on. Yeah, keep everything tight. But um, <laughs> tight is better. But um, so you, you were on these successful YouTube channels, and you you had a decent following. You had this celebrity, at least, you know, especially for you, Derek. Why didn't you pursue a YouTube career 
after leaving CGR Undertow? Why didn't you try to pursue your own thing and and build on the success that you had found at, where you found it? I or that, did you? Uh, I guess I get that question. I mean, still literally every day um, mm-hmm. on Twitter and things. And it's gotten to the point where I'm not even sure what the answer is. I, I've come up with so many ideas of things I could do and things I'd like to do. But I'm really afraid. I mentioned a couple of times, I think, how much of a perfectionist I am. Mm-hmm. Classic Game Room was my full-time job. Not only that, it was my life. I was there all week. I, I worked so hard. I worked so fucking hard at that job. Um, it, it was, aside from my wife, um, it was the number one thing in my life. Like, I, I cared so much about it. If I can't do something at that level, like if I can't do something as good or better, I don't want to do anything. I got into trouble a lot in college where like if I didn't, if I was working on a project and I wasn't happy, this is, I mean, if you want to get a look into my uh, psychopathy, um, (laughs) there were several times I took zeros on projects just because it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. And so I'd rather take the zero than turn in something Mm -hmm. half-assed. I'm an insane person. So I, I would not want to do anything that couldn't be at the same standard of the thing that I did when it was my full-time job. And I'm afraid that just given the time restraints and also the fact that, I mean, God, fuck it, we had a whole studio of equipment. I have my phone now. Um, and also, you know, some behind the scenes for the listeners. These guys are asking me like, oh, do you have discord or audacity dude i don't know i don't even fucking know what any of that shit is this is is why ashton and brandon were so important because i'm not the technical guy i just show up and act like a dick um so like for me to for me to be able to do all that on my own is daunting um i don't know how to capture footage like i've got a million excuses but i think i think the main thing is i just miss undertow so much that i didn't i'm afraid to do something that doesn't get liked as much like i would hate to do something and find out that people don't actually give a shit you know yeah you kind of set like a really high bar yeah and i'm possibly by high bar that i can't even a bar that i set so high for everything in my life that i can't even define it a bar that's set yeah. so high that undertow isn't even that bar if undertow came along right now i probably wouldn't think it reached the level of undertow in my mind like that's that's uh-huh. the way my mind works i'm i'm demented so um <laughs> you know, I, I, like I said, I've, I've great. I have some really cool ideas, but I just don't, there's a lot of emotional stuff to get out of the way before I actually try any of it. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I mean, it sounds like given what you've sort of told us about, you know, the fans even still getting in touch with you, like to this day and things like that, I, I have a sense that, you know, should you ever decide to pursue something like that one of the ideas that you might have you know bouncing around in the noggin um i think you'd probably have a lot more support than i think you think you might maybe because i feel like it would tank and nobody would care but i feel that way about me in general i like i wake up and think well today i'm gonna tank and no one's gonna care so <laughs> so of course i th- i think that um but one of the things sure. i'm also afraid of is this would be if i do something on my own i've never done something on my own i've never had I've never been let off the chains. So like mm. at undertow, I got to do pretty much what I wanted, but I still had to run ideas by people. And there were a lot of ideas where it's like, and the people who know my shit, I mean, if you've seen the video where I kill a sloth, 
like that that was Derek at like a seven on the weirdness. I'm kind of afraid <laughs> of like what would happen if I didn't have to get ideas approved. Like like would I end up getting three oh two and put in, in jail or something? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um but that's somebody's gonna tell like, you to not do the psychology of Zelda video. Yeah. yeah, like like what am I gonna do if I don't have a, an angel sitting on my shoulder going, Derek, that's a really bad idea. So like I don't know. Yeah. Especially in this day of, of YouTube, just pretty much saying anything you say is bad and we're not going to help and, you. And honestly, and I'm not like, I don't want to come across as the type that, of people who, who say this because I'm not, but the, the whole PC thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a PC guy. I just, I, I'm not a MAGA guy, but I, I think <laughs> things can, I think it's okay for things to be funny. So, and that's not the world we live in right now. So like, I'm afraid a lot of the undertow stuff, even now and the jokes I made, <laughs> Like I, I made a joke about a Britney Spears game where I said the best thing about this game is that you can play it with one hand. <laughs> and I feel like if I said that now, I would get a bunch of comments like, "How dare you disrespect women? How dare you uh, suggest that Britney Spears?" Like, dude, I just—it's just a comment. It's just a joke about jerking Leave off. Leave Britney alone. And the world's a, a very different place than than 2015. It's I think we all know that. Correct. And and I and honestly, and I'm at least cognizant of the fact that. I don't really, and again, I'm, I'm one of the good guys. I'm not, I'm not a, you know, not. Yeah, we got you. Um, but, but I do think it's gone way, 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 way too far on the other side. Also, how fucked up is it that we have to qualify things that we're talking about by saying like, just exactly. be clear, I am not a Nazi. Thank I you. just want to point that out. <laughs> Thank you. Like yesterday I got into a big thing on Twitter because they just announced the Ren and Stimpy shows being revived. And I, and I had the audacity to say, well, if the guy who created it isn't involved, I'm not. I don't think they should do it. I don't support it. And obviously, right. John Chris Lucy's done some shit. He's had some demons. But does that mean right. he's not allowed to do his job ever again? Right. Does- I like. I like what uh, Billy West said about it. Is like the the the, the twin brother of genius is madness or something right. similar to that. Like, why? When are we going to stop being surprised that fucked up art is being made by fucked up people? <laughs> if if John, yeah. if, if people are boring and think in a box they're not going to do anything that's interesting. They're just not. And I wish people stopped getting offended by the fact that other people think differently than they do. Um, You know, obviously what he did was terrible. I'm not defending a child rapist. The fact that I have to qualify that, like you said, shows how fucked up it is that he, you know, we have a system of law. We have a system of, of all this stuff. And yet still that's not enough. He's not allowed to do anything ever again, ever, even though on the other side of him, is the most talented animator of his generation. He's not allowed to do that anymore because he fucked up. I, I yeah. just think well, this whole cancel culture thing. Yeah. I don't yeah. think, I, saw, I don't think saw the I same thing with like earthworm Jim too. Right. I mean, you couldn't have Ren and Stimpy now anyway, back then parents no. were writing in and saying, this is inappropriate. If they did it now, the fucking kids would be writing in saying, I'm offended. <laughs> this is inappropriate. Why is, why is Ren hitting Stimpy? That's abusing your friend. I have a friend who was abused once, and this is triggering me. Like, okay, it's funny if a psychotic dog hits a cat. That's all you need to know about. It. Like, you, the dog's psychotic. The dog's fucking crazy. <laughs> crazy dog. Oh, He's God. insane. Well, listen, man. I mean, you're you're kind of preaching to the choir here, anyway, because I know Chris and I, with this show, have run up against that exact 
situation on a number of occasions because and i will say for the record and i don't know if it's just because we're getting old or whatever the hell but like our our humor has toned down a little bit over the years that we've been doing this show but Uh like we still have our our moments and um and yeah it's it feels like it's getting harder and harder to have (laughs) you uh, said harder (laughs) okay so case in point but oh, being, that's a dick you know, joke oh my god he just made a dick joke oh, oh yeah well i mean our whole dick dragon thing man <laughs> dick jokes are not funny i have a dick i know what that's like i have friends who have dicks do you know people who have experienced dicklessness <laughs> i have a friend who got kicked in the dick some people's dicks can't get hard. Why are you making jokes about hard dicks? My dad has a uh, function. Yeah. I don't think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. Get some, get some Viagra. I, I, like I don't know what to tell you. But, but some things are funny. Dicks are funny. Yeah. Have you ever seen a dick? Look at it. <laughs> Every day, and I'm sad. Like that's the thing that creates life. Are you kidding me? Look at it. <laughs> It looks like uh, it, it looks like a snake that like well in my case an earthworm. It looks like <laughs> it looks like a small creature that shouldn't be, and yet it is. And yet it it is responsible for this entire species. No wonder we are the way we are. Look at the dick. It is half responsible, first of all. I'm offended. Um, <laughs> women in my Second experience all, aren't doing nearly as much as the see now that was a joke, everyone. <laughs> that was a joke about how women just th- lay there. And that's a, and you know what? They don't actually do that, but it's a joke and it's funny, and that's why it's okay because you're not being serious. You and that's why I turned on Emma Watson. <sighs> if anyone just lays there, it's me because I'm terrified of naked girls. <laughs> Look at them; they're perfect. To be fair, that's why I think uh, the Brits have it right when they they call them bellends. Bellends. It does <laughs> yeah, look like a, a, a good one. like a little baby holding a little little fist. <laughs> It's really gross. At this point, if you listen for the listeners, for your listeners, if you haven't looked at your dicks lately, give it a look, and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. It's not a pretty sight. And if you don't have a dick, you can probably find a picture of one or find one in real life. But uh, quite yeah, easily. Well, I don't. say just look in your DMs, for Chris. Sake. Like, yeah. Let's be honest. I haven't seen your demos. I haven't seen the splits. I'm gonna guess most of them have dicks. I would say well, probably ninety nine. You're absolutely right. Because I've seen the undertow demos, and they're the most disappointing thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> my Instagram tells me uh, I'm loved. <laughs> so how about you, Ashton? Uh, why didn't you, when you left CGR? Oh, uh, holy shit. That's where that question, that's where we landed on? <laughs> that's yeah, that's where, where that started. started. That is yeah. where we started with holy that, yes. shit. We landed on baby dick. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you see? From Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ashton. Uh, I concur. Right. <laughs> God, now all I can think of is that scene where Ren's like running that lumber saw up and down. Oh, like crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I'm the teacher. You're the catcher. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Have anyway, space Ashton, madness please, memorized. please go on. Oh, do yeah. space madness, Ashton. Do space madness. <laughs> Glazed ham. <laughs> Black paper. Boy, yeah. football leather. 
Um, why didn't I keep making YouTube videos? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to blame me for that. That's probably on me. Um, let's see here. Again, my memory's fuzzy because I'm old now. Ashton was also um, drugs at the time. Yeah. yeah, honestly, were you just like just blitzed the entire time you were yeah. working there? <laughs> yeah, man. It's a great video. <laughs> hey, man, let's do another uh, cooking game. Yeah. You're only doing 10? Man, I think we should be doing 30. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> uh, probably the closest thing would be doing podcasts. Uh, I started doing that. Three four years ago, I've kind yeah. of fallen off that wagon, um, but would like to get back into it. Um, this is in no way uh, a dig, but it is a lot easier than YouTube videos. <laughs> um, it's still a lot of work and time. Well, it, it's on the spot, whereas a lot of the YouTube stuffs it's all scripted, you know. Right. Yeah. Like we did not anticipate landing where we landed. I'm, I'm so I'm so podcast. glad that we did though. I got to be honest with you, yeah. but but no, like I'm not going to take. You guys are never going to have like... me on ever again, are you? and I'm fine. I mean, that's fine. I get it. Like I wouldn't have me on either, but oh, we'd love. I I would personally love to have you back so, on again. Okay. Yeah. Well, everyone's got their their weird quirks, I guess. But <laughs> he's like, I would get, recommend it, but I, I would not, not stop I, you, I, Derek. Yeah. Derek, our logo is a eggplant dragon. We would love to have you back on. First off, what is a penis? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Um, I've, heard, I've seen other people have them. Oh, anyway, Ashton's podcast. Yeah, go ahead, Ashton. <laughs> yeah, but no, but for, for the record, for the record, Ashton, I will tell you that you are right. Like uh, video production is definitely more difficult for sure. Ashton also has a podcast about dicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's on my Patreon account. Uh, Yes, a ten dollar level. No. It, it's at Ash Tons of Dicks. <laughs> Is that the? That might level. be the first time I've heard that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I to be honest, I had considered it. Um, again, just like people who do this kind of thing, you always have ideas and things percolating uh, that you rarely act upon. But um, yeah, I mean, it is easier. Kind of like we said, I think at one point, like it, ten years ago, people didn't have you know phones with awesome cameras and yep. like built-in recording software on their laptops uh yep. so yeah i mean it, it is always crossed my mind i just kind of always felt like like when when most of my podcasts were more like interview style where i was asking people about stuff and learning things because i kind of felt like i don't think anyone cares what i have to say uh but i like to talk to other people so maybe other people will listen to that you know I always kind of felt like if I was going to create stuff, it was going to be more of that style. Like I want to pick a topic I'm interested in, have a conversation with somebody about it rather than just be like, Hey world, this is what I think about Mario Kart. <laughs> you know, by the way, I'm the eighth millionth person to tell you about Mario Kart, you know, and, and more power to people who do that. Um, I just always kind of felt like, I don't <laughs> I was saying now, now I'm offended, Ashton. Now I'm offended, and, and I it's like in a weird way, maybe uh, I don't know what the word is, vain or whatever, to think like, well, I don't want to be just one more voice in the crowd, you know, like like it fucking matters, you know. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's why I never really, I, like, if I did something again, it would, I'd want it to be more like, a, hey, let's let's, I want to get together people that I respect and think are smart and creative and work together on something that's really cool 
and something that I think is is really good, whether anybody watches it or not. And that's really hard to do with like anyone other than yourself sometimes. <laughs> uh, just coordinating schedules and shit. But Ashton, what if what if we start a show? It's just called Derek gets canceled, and we deliberately do things <laughs> to try and like. And then we have a cancel count at the bottom. Of the uh, uh, see, so this like, is like this is Derek's brilliance. Is like he's joking, but that is brilliant. <laughs> No, but here's the thing. I would watch it. I I actually the thing is, I'm not joking. (laughs) I feel like, well, that's yeah. I guess that is my my mind. I'm joking, but then I'm not joking at the same time. Like I would love to do a show where we just piss people off deliberately, um, and then just watch their heads explode. That would be really fun. The only unfortunate part about that is you probably get the audience you don't want, and I that's that's, that would be the only concern. But other than that, I'd watch it. I'd end up with, uh, with a, like a bunch of MAGA people who think I'm on their their team. <laughs> <laughs> that could actually be even like, more fun though, because then I could like play along. You know, I could be like, "Yeah, who needs to be qualified to do anything, right?" I think Sasha Baron Cohen <laughs> beat you to that one. He kind of did. He stole my he stole my shtick. <laughs> yeah, but he's not doing it anymore. So there's there's room. And I think this is maybe going to lead into another tangent, but. You kind of, you said, you mentioned audience and that is kind of something I was thinking about. Like that's, that's the best and worst things of the internet is like, it can reach anyone, but unfortunately it reaches everyone. Like, like you could tell those jokes all day long if you're telling it to, you know, like us. Uh, But there's almost no way to like only deliver it to the people that you think are like, oh, these people get it. They know I'm joking. I don't got to qualify everything. They think it's funny. We all have a good time. But and all of a sudden we think we act like everyone's got a uh, uh, everyone's opinion is worth being heard. I got news for you. Half of you bozos, nobody gives a shit anyway. So just shut up. <laughs> Way more than half. There, there's still people out there that that still like to have fun, though. I would like to think. I, well, I yeah. So. And as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that, too, like you're more successful when you keep your audience and circle of interaction to people you you know well and. Yeah. You understand better. Like understanding people is like a lost art. Like, and that's the problem with the internet and why people don't understand. Like, they don't understand what's going on, and they don't know that they should understand what's going on. Yep. Um, Nuance is dead. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not saying I'm good at any of this. I'm just saying I'm realizing this is probably the better way to live. <laughs> I mean, we're also from a different era. We grew up in the time of like the Daily Show with Jon Stewart and South Park. And that was predominant comedy, at least for myself. And if you grow up with that, you're going to have a much different sense of humor than if you grew up in, you know, after that, as we are obviously seeing now. If you're a college student nowadays, your sense of humor and what you've been raised on to believe what is funny or not is way different than what we believe is funny. You actually don't have one. You don't have a (laughs) Right. There is um, no humor comedy anymore. Comedy is for fascists, apparently. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think at this point, um, given that we've we've, I think we've had a pretty pretty extensive and good conversation going, but probably want to try to start wrapping. How else can I direct your show? Um, <laughs> so, oh, don't, hey, Derek, if if you get if we get started <laughs> on this, we could have an entire conversation, but we're trying to keep it to video games. I'm a poli sci major, 
So let me I tell you, let me tell you a great story for. about the classic game room. It all started. <laughs> a twinkle it, on it all started at an Obama rally. It all started at an Obama rally. And people are saying, people are saying it started in an Obama rally. Okay. Classic game room or like classic gate room. Okay. <laughs> Tremendous that your people are true. saying, read the manual. Okay. Read the manual. The R zone. Have you ever wondered why they st- st- spent so much time on the R zone? Think about it. Okay. It's a tremendous, very, very powerful. It's red like China and they're spreading viruses with the R zone. There are caravans coming from the R zone. <laughs> full of rapists. <laughs> they're going to come rape your daughters. Okay. People are just oh, saying that. I don't know that for a fact. People are saying that the R zone. I have been told Mexicans people there. say there are Mexicans in the, in the R zone. Okay. The best people. The best Mexicans. Hide there are no good Mexicans in the Arzo. Uh, all right. I'm going to try to bring this back around again. <laughs> That's good. But uh, yeah, so at any rate, um, so Chris, uh, do you have anything else that you wanted to uh, touch on real quick before we kind of wrap things up? So I'm just I just got to say thank you so much Ashton and Derek for for being here on our show today. Uh, this this interview is really special to me, mm. just because um, I, I I watched Classic Game Room. I think I found it back in 2011, 2012. I'm not sure. Right around the time I I really started getting into retro video games. This is what a lot of people did back then. And the the hours of entertainment uh, every single day, going and watching a new video every single day, watching new content. Um, it was. It, it gave a lot of entertainment to me and it really got me involved with the retro gaming community and it, I enjoyed it and it's where I gained a lot of my gaming knowledge. And it's one of the major reasons I'm, I'm so interested in doing this hobby today to include doing this podcast. Um, even coming down to like when, um, you guys went to the, the website and you would only go through daily motion. Like I was so excited to make new pages for all these different games and contribute as much as I could. And I always get excited sometimes when Derek would read my questions on uh, his update videos. And Oh my God. Did I, did I read some of yours? Yes. <laughs> um, but I was, did I, did I answer any of your questions by talking through my ass? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, the one that, the one that sticks out the most to me is why, why beat em ups went away. Did I answer that through my ass or did I actually give an answer to that? No, you actually gave an answer to that. That what wasn't through I your say? ass. Uh, you're like, yeah, that's a good point. Why Why do beat em ups suck now? And why are they not as good as they used to be in the, the 16-bit generation? And I, I don't remember specifically what you said. So but, what I did, I just reiterated your question and said that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question. Essentially, essentially. No, you gave a real answer. I can't remember the specifics. It's, it's been a while, a Derek, man. That's a Derek move to just say, yeah, that's a great point, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it meant Please a lot and then more questions like this it, it, it meant a lot and even even to this day like as you said people are still discovering it i will routinely walk into my my kid watching classic game room or cgr undertale uh he's 11 and you know he's he's super into retro games and video games and just seeing that that's continuing on uh to a new generation of gamers and how much you've inspired just not me but now now my children like what um 
what you guys did is is going to have a lasting impact and a major legacy. And I'm very, very honored that you guys came on the show today. And from the bottom of my heart, in all seriousness, thank you guys for for sharing your experiences. Thank you guys for for saying the things that you said. And I, I think that so many people will get so much out of this because I know I did. And this was just amazing and fulfilling on on my part. So thank you again. Thank you very much. Well, unlike Ashton, <laughs> I'm not a prick, so I don't like to use words like hero. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, obviously, I you know I'm I fuck around a lot and joke around, but uh, in all seriousness, I thank you guys for having me on. Um, it's always an honor for me when people who are doing shit now, unlike me, I just sit on my ass all day. So it's an honor for me when people who are actually doing stuff now deem me worthy enough to have on so that it does mean a lot thank you very much um i'm sorry if my nonsense disrupted your show sometimes you you know you open that you open that closet and you don't know how many cats are going to jump out you know <laughs> it's um, fine this whole show is fucking but, nonsense it's not yeah <laughs> but thank you all so much and for anyone who doesn't for everyone who do, did watch cgr undertow i mean it from the bottom of my heart and people who know me will tell you this that i that i really do mean i i appreciate Literally every click you ever gave us, literally every video, every minute you ever watched, thank you so much because it allowed me to live my dream job. Um, and I cannot thank you enough for that. And if you haven't watched CGR Undertow and I haven't turned you off, um, <laughs> go to youtube.com slash CGR Undertow. The, the, the channel's still up. We made Right before I left, we kind of organized it as much as they would let me. So we did some playlists and like there's a best of CGR Undertow playlist so you can get like a sample for the nonsense we did. Um, and to be fair, as much as the nonsense, you know, I'm actually pretty brilliant guy. Um, so when I felt inspired, we did do some really serious, really smart video game commentary too. Um, it was just much more fun to make dick jokes. So we did both. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Uh, and I hope whether, whether your bag is dick jokes or, or seriousness that you check us out because we've, we've got something there for you. And like you said, it's really all about loving video games and loving that community our slogan there was if video games are fun, if they're, if video games are supposed to be fun, talking about them should be fun too. Like this should be fun. We shouldn't be up our own asses and arguing about multiplayer or, or region free. Like who cares? This should be fun. Um, and that's what classic game room was all about. Yeah. And again, believe me or not, maybe I'm biased, but everything that Derek is saying, like everything Derek said is totally legit. And like, he's not just saying that, like you could tell working with Derek, like, he enjoyed it and he put his heart into it and he was there to make people laugh and make cool videos. Um, so it's not just him saying it. I'll, I'll vouch for him as, uh, as much as you can believe two guys that work together. Ashton, <laughs> do you remember that time we just, we just held each other and cried and made love? Yeah. <laughs> I think of it every night. That was a good day at the, at the old office. <laughs> I stole that couch. <laughs> it still smells of your musk. I smell Ashton's musk. <laughs> uh, well, that seems appropriate to end on that note for the show. <laughs> so, uh, I guess with all of that being said, Chris has already said his piece. But for what it's worth, I will say I absolutely adored having both of you on the show, and I'm so glad that you uh, you accepted our uh, invitation to to come on on this little thing and uh, and and talk to us about. CGR. So this was awesome. Of course. Did you send the PayPal? Did we? Oh wait, I'm um, never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We'll we'll talk about that after. We'll talk about okay, it. Okay, we'll talk after. Yeah, people no, like to my people. It's, it's Venmo. Okay. <laughs> oh, Venmo's the thing. Yeah, yeah. That's what the kids are doing. <laughs> <laughs>
PayPal's too offensive. Yeah, that's true. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it got, it's getting canceled soon. Oh, People are saying PayPal is no good. <laughs> uh, so with all of that being said, until next time. Play with your classically oriented joysticks. Ashton has a classically oriented joystick. <laughs> you know that firsthand. It's classic as they come. <laughs> Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four-ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in headfirst with full 12-ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.